Today on Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe and Big Al dive into strategies for investing in stocks that pay dividends and how the pro rata rule for Roth conversions work with dividends. Plus, Wealthfront M1, Paul Merriman, Vanguard, the fellows opine about a young investor using a robo-advisor versus paying for financial advice, and they offer their thoughts on a Vanguard portfolio for retirement. Finally, ideas for young, entrepreneurial, self-employed, small business owner types to save as much money for retirement as possible with things like the SEP IRA, Solo 401k, and Simple IRA. And of course, some stupid jokes and totally off-topic derails along the way. I'm producer Andy Last, but you can call me Hoss. And here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Big Al Clopine CPA, and our host of various sizes, Joe Anderson CFP. We got uh, Kenny from Granite City here. Hello, YMYW. Still listening and loving loving the podcast. Now, Joe and Andy are the best source of financial information on the net. Thank you, Kenny. Um, I'd like to know how the Roth pro rata rules applies to dividends. All right. Well, let's talk about pro rata rules, first of all, because he might be confused on how the pro rata rule works. I suspect. Um, So we'll start there, but I'll read on. Okay. As an example. If an individual on January 2nd were to buy uh, stocks such as Realty Income Corp, who pays a monthly dividend, can that person begin drawing that dividend payment tax-free and without any other penalties? Um, or, are the, um, or similarly, are there penalties when taking dividend payments from a traditional IRA or 401k? I know a better action is to allow the dividends to reinvest until I choose to retire. The purpose of my question is to devise a strategy to trick friends and family to save more for retirement. So a little trickery. Yeah, a little, yeah, let's a little put magic. It, put it in because you can get it out. Trickery. All right. Uh, um, psychologically. psychologically. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> Psychologically, I believe people enjoy the instant reward. Again, the show is brilliant. I appreciate you taking the time to help us all. All right, pro rata rule. So um, when you look at the pro rata rule, that's usually in regards to a few things. One would be like a conversion. Correct. Depending on what is basis versus what is non-basis. Yeah, like let's say you got – 5,000 bucks in an IRA and let's say a thousand of it is you have basis because you didn't take a tax deduction for that. Right? So when you convert that 5,000, you only pay tax on four, right? That's what the pro rata rule is. Right. Um, or, or if you take out a hundred bucks, right? Then one out of five, 20% of that's taxable. Sure. Or 20% is tax free. I should say. So I guess I'm confused on his question, Kenny, when he's saying, what's the pro rata rules when it applies to dividends coming out of a Roth? I think what he's talking about is the five-year rule. I think maybe he's, he, his question really is, can I put money into a Roth and take the dividends out without penalty? Or any IRA or 401k. And yeah. the answer is no until you turn 59 and a half. Yeah. But, but there's, there's a little bit of a, it's a little more complicated than that because with a Roth IRA, you could devise such a strategy with Roth contributions. Right. Because it's 
it's it's fivefold tax treatment for Roth contribution. So, Kenny, let's say you're going to do some trickery. Yeah, right? yeah, we got to do trickery. We're going to tell you how to do it. Yeah, you're you're magic man. <laughs> <laughs> Get a top hat, right? Right in a cane. That's right. The table. Look at look at this. Put somebody here, and it comes back out. <laughs> Put the money in the hat and dollars pop out. This buy is a why couple, it's called your magic, your wealth. Yeah, <laughs> right. buy a couple of rings. Start with that trick. That's, right. a, that's always a good one. Yeah, right. Um, and then, yes, any dollar that, let's say, one of your friends or family members puts into the Roth IRA, they have full access to those dollars. Yeah, in a contribution. So, let, so let's say you put $5,000 as a contribution. I don't care what your dividends are. If dividends are 200 bucks a month, let's just say. Right. <laughs> you can pull 200 bucks out a month any age, no penalty, no taxation until you get to that 5,000, right? And then you got to stop because everything else will come out taxable with a penalty. So what, to, to get technical, you couldn't necessarily open up a Roth, put the $5,000 in, and let's say it did have a $200 a month dividend, which would be pretty nice. Yeah. And then you tell the custodian, say, pay out the dividend. Yeah, you, right? can't, you can't do that. You can't do that. You could take $200 of principal out. It would be the same thing. Yeah, you just pretend it's the dividend. You just pretend it's the dividend. <laughs> and you keep the dividend in the Roth because yeah. you can take the principal out, but you can't necessarily take the growth, the earnings, the interest, or the dividends out until five years or 59 and a half, whichever is longer. And then you can do it as long as you want. Exactly. Right? Now, so I'm guessing that this is these people are a little bit younger. I'm, guessing, I'm, and guessing, a half, I'm right? guessing that too. And so it's like, hey, put the five thousand dollars in, and if you want the dividend of two hundred dollars a month, you could get that tax free. Yeah, they could do that. Hypo, I mean, in a different it's, way. It's trickery. Yeah, it's a trickery. <laughs> <laughs> it's magic. Now something else. If a younger person does a Roth conversion, they have to wait five years to do this trickery. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So they, it's not that simple. But I guess the, the answer to your question is no, you're not allowed to take dividends out. But the workaround is if it's a contribution, you have basis in the contribution and therefore you can take dollars out until you exhaust that basis. You can't take any more out. If you do a conversion before 59 and a half, you have to, have to wait five years for every conversion to start taking the principal out. So it gets more complicated. Um, so to recap the question is that <laughs> don't do it, right? I mean, yeah. I get it. You're trying to – I, I like where your head's at, Kenny. It's like, all right, well, here, I want to get my buddies and family members to start saving some money. And if they feel that, hey, you know what, I get $200 in my pocket um, by investing the $5,000, you know, that's pretty good. I can see the return on investment, yeah. and I'm going to get more excited and save more money. Right. So be careful with that because the market's turned too. So I see why he's looking at the dividend because if they don't cut the dividend, they're going to continue to get the, the, the check no matter what the value is of the overall account. Uh, but they also do cut dividends as well. Yep. So appreciate you still hanging in there with us, Kenny. Write us back if you got more follow-up questions. Uh, Tom writes in from Chantilly. Is that right? Yeah, it looks like it. Chantilly, Virginia. Chant Tom has written us before. I don't remember Chantilly, Virginia. You had this exact same conversation then. I probably did. <laughs> I'm losing my mind, Andy. And he still know. doesn't remember. I know. Sorry, Tom. Chantilly. Yeah, now it's all coming back. Great place. We got Joe and Big Al. I own several mutual funds. Uh, ticker symbols RPMGX in P-R-G-F-X. I'm guessing, what is that? Uh, T-roll price? 
Yes, I believe so. Andy, if you want to just fact check me, <laughs> I believe, the, I'm not sure what those are. They look like uh, maybe a growth fund in a mid cap fund, given the MGX in the GX. That would be a good guess. See? And so, so then the RP, you think that's TRA? Mm -hmm. RP is yeah. TRA Price Mid Cap Growth Fund, and the PR is Ooh, also growth, growth stock. Yeah. righty. So there we have it. Um, okay. Okay. Also, my retirement accounts that generate d dividend returns. So he's got these mutual funds outside of retirement. Okay. So he's got a little growth fund. He's got some mid cap in an actively managed fund that's given him a little. I love T. Roll Price. So um, good fund family. Uh, decent funds. I have nothing bad to say about that. Um, and he's getting some dividends. His yeah. questions are, the dividends are distributed in December, so there's an ex-dividend date is what that's called. Right. Uh, so he's looking to rebalance his holdings based on my overall investment strategy. If I sell these mid-year, do I miss out on the dividends? Is it best to wait until January? I cannot find any information and any guidance is greatly appreciated. Love the podcast. You guys are great. Okay. Uh, Tom from Chantilly. This is mm -hmm. a good question. It is. It's actually, a, it is a good question. So he's investing in, in mutual funds that create dividends. And he's like, you know what? I want to rebalance these. I might want to sell them. Yeah. Right. And and but, but then I'm going to miss out on the dividends. So I, if, I, I, if I held it to July, right, do I get half the dividend? Yeah. Because they, you know, they give the, the, the dividend right. on December. So yeah. you know, can I participate even though I owned it part of the year? Or do I have to wait till January? Right. Um, well, first of all, let's talk about what happens to the price of a stock when a dividend is distributed. Yeah, I think that's the key. That is the key. So, Alan, what happens? Uh, what happens is the, uh, the day the dividend is declared, then the amount of the total dividend to all stockholders, the price of the stock is reduced by that same exact amount. So, really... All, the, nothing really happens. It's just that you have this stock where I'm going to do a simple example, $10 with a dollar dividend, just to make it real simple. $10 a share, a dollar dividend, which would be a lot, but let's just say it was just for ease of math. Then now you have a dollar in your pocket because you got it, but your stock's now worth nine bucks. You still have $10 worth of value. It's just part of it's in stock and part of it's in cash. And that's what a dividend is. And, and the truth is, if you're being smart about this, you will sell before the dividends are distributed so you don't have that, that ordinary income consequence. Correct. So, Tom, it doesn't matter. But the truth, in terms of, of raw dollars, it doesn't matter whatsoever. So, like Warren Buffett talks about a synthetic dividend yeah. quite a bit. He doesn't like, well, I wouldn't say he doesn't like, uh, but if he had to pick a, a stock that provided a dividend or did not provide a dividend, he would much rather go with a company that did not provide a dividend. Right. Because he could create his own dividend. Because if he bought the stock for $10 a share and they don't distribute a dividend, he could sell a dollar of and, and, and still have the same effect of another stock that sells at $10 a share that distributes a dollar dividend. Yeah. It, because the next day, you got a dollar in cash, but the stock price is only worth $9. Right. Yeah. And that, that's actually, you have much more control by doing your own dividend that way. And it's more tax efficient that Correct. way. Correct. So, in other words, why pay, why pay taxes on dividends if you don't really need the cash? Exactly. Right. And that's, that's the advantage of having a stock that doesn't declare dividends like Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett's company. They don't distribute dividends for that exact reason. They reinvest it. Yeah. 
right? They're, they're reinvesting in their overall company. So there's no excess cash where they want to provide a dividend. Now, every fund is different, but it's common for mutual funds to have quarterly dividend distribution. So it's once a quarter. And then they have their capital gain distribution in December, right? Which is that all the gains inside that mutual fund get distributed at that point. So, I mean, that's more common. That, that's what's common. Where, where yeah. you're seeing the mutual fund manager shifting and yeah. selling and do, doing things with inside the mutual fund. So, a mutual fund value could go down and you still would receive a tax bill just because the embedded gains that is sitting inside the mutual fund. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, because the, the mutual fund manager bought the stock at $5 a share, it went up to 15 right? And then you bought it. But then the stock went down to $10 a share, but the embedded cost of that overall stock is still five. Right. And then they sell the stock, you're going to get hit with the capital gain distribution, even though the fund went down in value. Yeah, that is true. And, and so if you're, if you're thinking just strictly in taxes, it's probably not a great time to buy mutual funds is before they declare their dividend in December. Right. The ex-dividend date. So right. you have to look at what is the ex-dividend date. And then you also have to look at what is the, 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 the capital distribution date. Yeah. But I know, Joe, that some people are listening, thinking we're we crazy. We we're don't know what we're talking about yeah. because every time they have a dividend, their stock goes up. Yeah. And here's the, the, what you're missing is if, if you just look at dividends in a bubble, it will go down by the stock price will go down in the amount of the dividend, but stocks go up and down without regard to dividends. They go up and down every day. So some days they're going to go up while there's a dividend. It looks like you're, you're getting best of both worlds. Oh, so, look at, I got a dividend and look at the stock price just so, went up and the stock price went up because I, they, they gave me this dividend. Yeah, right. <laughs> And sometimes the market goes down after the dividend. And it looks like, well, this is the worst stock in the world. Look how much it went down. Right. It's like, well, no, part of it's the dividend you got. And part of it is just the stock went down. Just understand that stock prices move widely day by day. Yeah. Week by week, year by year. Yeah. Right. It, it doesn't stay at the same price, right? If you follow right. any type of stock, just look at the volatility of the overall markets. Uh, so stocks move in value all the time. Right. It has, it's, it, it's irrelevant of the dividend. <laughs> yes. True. Right? So just want to make that point. <laughs> yes. I mean, we've gotten almost fistfights with people. At, <laughs> wow. No, not that bad. But I remember what I was teaching at Maricosta College and uh, in San Alejo. Yeah. Um, and I was, he's like, well, I really like dividend paying stocks. And I was like, well, of course, everyone likes dividend paying stocks. Why do you like dividend paying stocks? Oh, because it gives me income. I said, that's great. You know? And then he's like, but it's the best of both worlds. Cause I get the capital appreciation and then, you know, the dividend. And I was like, yeah, but do you actually know how it works? I'm not, I'm not refuting his strategy. It's a fun <laughs> strategy. Nothing wrong with right? it. Nothing wrong with it. But I was like, well, this is how a dividend works. The stock price goes down. That's because they're, the, the company's distributing capital out of their company. The, of course, the value of the company is going to go down yeah. as much as they distribute out. Right. No way. That, that's a, that's, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's like, okay, whatever. But that is the truth. It is. You heard it here, folks. So, Tom from Chantilly um, doesn't necessarily matter. So, if you want to rebalance the overall account. But – Here's the, this is going back to Kenny with Granite City. Yeah. Because Kenny's like, man, let's buy these dividend paying stocks because people like to see that income. Right. Even if it's $10 a share or $4 a share, let's say the dividend's $200, you're still going to get the $200 dividend unless they cut the dividend. Right. Right. Sure. So then that's why people like the dividend and it's like, I get, I get it. Yeah. You get cash flow, but do you need it first of all? And if you're just going to reinvest it, 
you don't exclude all the other really good stocks that don't provide a dividend because a lot of those stocks are probably just as good or even better than the stocks that just have dividends. Yeah, because they're reinvesting for growth. And many, many times they they do grow more. And that a lot of the high-tech companies, Joe, they don't declare dividends because they're reinvesting. And that tends to be, you know, over the long term, a decent sector. And um, so, yeah, it's, well, it, it, you look to at what's a really good sales strategy for someone that is approaching retirement? is that, hey, we have a dividend strategy for you Yeah, that's going to pay you income. Because that, that's what you need now. Because, income. I mean, our specialty is creating retirement income for people, right? Right. And so there's multiple ways that people can potentially do it. We yeah. try to do it probably the most tax efficient way. Yeah. Um, and so, but for an individual investor, if, if you say create a synthetic dividend and look at a total return approach versus we have these really good stocks that create these dividends, look at the dividend yields, what, to the average consumer, that sounds like a better deal, better strategy, because you've heard of dividends before. You know what a dividend is income for the most part. Yeah. So you're saying I can have both. I can take a bite out of the cake and I sell the whole cake. You got it. So just understand how, how all this stuff works before you... Um, I guess going to your strategy. So hopefully that helps, Tom. Uh, Thanks for the email. We've got a white paper on strategies for creating that retirement income, and you can download it from the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com, which is also where you can read the transcript of this entire episode. And I know that might be necessary because these guys talk in circles. And you can send in your money questions to be answered on YMYW as well. To get to the all-important show notes, send in those questions, access the financial resources, and read the transcript, simply click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast podcast app. Can you even believe that this is all free? Do us a favor, pay us back by sharing YMYW with everyone you know. So we got Alan calling in from El Paso, Texas. Hey y'all. I'm a recent uh, convert to financial nerdism and love the podcast. Apologies in advance for the novel. I try to use small words. Well, thank you, Alan. All right. Here's a little background on Alan. He's 29 years old, single, debt-free, making $57,000 annually. Um, It's his first professional job, recent grad school grad. Congratulations. I live here in El Paso, Texas. I opened a taxable portfolio in Roth IRA with a robo-advisor prior to attending grad school because I didn't want the stress over the investments and studies. Now, after listening to your show and reading Paul Merriman's article, good old Paul. Yeah, I like Paul. Paul's been on the show many times. Good friend of the show. I can't believe I just said that. I hate it when people say that. <laughs> He's a good friend. A good friend of the show. I mean, I've never Have met you, the guy ever. Ne- never person. seen him face no. to face. Yes. Hey, you know, Paul, my good friend. <laughs> yeah, let's hug it out. I know what you look like uh, in the pictures, but. <laughs> oh, God. But he is a great guy, professionally. You would be game. all over me if I said that. Oh, God. At least you're all over yourself. Yes. Sometimes I say stuff and it's like, <laughs> oh, God, you're such an idiot. Um, all right. I feel confident that I can handle the responsibility. Ooh, all right. So he wants to manage his money on his own. Yeah. He's going to take a deep end. Read some Paul Merriman, Merriman's yep, articles. That's all you got to do. Read two Paul Merriman like, articles and you're good. Um, I'm looking to move my taxable account and Roth IRA uh, from Wealthfront to M1 Financial to avoid the 25 basis point annual management fee and to have the freedom to select my own investments. Okay. So he's going to give us some pro-cons here. The pro-con, okay. Wealthfront does automatically tax-loss harvesting while M1 does not. 
uh, M1 has fractional shares while Wealthfront does not. Uh, the numbers, I have $40,000. 15000 is currently managed for free due to a promotional deal in my taxable account and $6,000 in a Roth. The expense ratios on these accounts are uh, 0.08 and 11 basis points respectively with a 25% fee on top. M1 has no management fee and the trades are also free. I plan on using Paul Merriman's ultimate buy and hold strategies for the taxable and tax deferred accounts, which will incur an expense ratio of about 28 basis points each annually. Uh, to date, my Wealthfront account has averaged $1,000 of lost harvested annually. If I make the switch, I'll likely rebalance once a year and do the tax loss harvesting then, if convenient. Uh, the funds automatically selected by Wealthfront include approximately 34% U.S. stocks, 29% foreign stocks, 20% emerging markets, 10% dividend stocks, natural resources, some municipal bonds, um, and 34% U.S., 24% foreign and emerging. Man, he's got a lot of funds. Holy buckets. Well, the second one was in his Roth. First first one. I mean, for six grand, he's got like 15 funds. And then (laughs) for the 40. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. All right. Okay. So let's just kind of keep this simple, Alan. Okay. Uh, Very simple here. I would, there's, you could invest in three funds and call it good. You could. I agree. Right. And then wait till that, accumulates to probably a hundred grand and yeah. then get more sophisticated with Paul Merriman stuff. Thinking the same number, hundred grand, you know, right off the bat, just get a, a low cost domestic equity fund, a low cost international equity fund and a low cost cost bond fund. Yep. Simple. And he's 30. So yeah. it's probably, it's going to be maybe 80, 20. Yeah. 80, 20. And uh, you know, 60% uh, us. So total us stock market fund. You can yeah. uh, pick, Anyone, Schwab, Vanguard, I don't care. Yeah. And then maybe you go 30% uh, total international. And then you go 20% short-term bonds. Or 10. Your math didn't work. What did I say? 60, 30, and 20. Oh, yeah. Well, that's why I need a calculator. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I got you, Big Al. You're my accountant. You know, the, the thing, we, we talked about this a few episodes ago. I don't know, remember which number the podcast was, but we talked about bond funds and you know, we, we both think it makes sense to have bond funds in your portfolio, but when you're young and you're okay with the volatility of the market, it's not even that important to have bond funds. Yeah. I have um, maybe 10% of my overall portfolio. 10%. In bonds, okay. And I'm 45. Got it. Would you have 0% if you were 30? Yes. Okay. There you go. And, and uh, Al is 29. Yeah. Um, Unless in the brokerage account, you got to take a look to say, all right, well, what's the money for? I mean, if, if I'm yeah. looking to buy a car or a house, then I probably would I suppose if you had money outside of retirement and you wanted to have some easy access that's not going to go down a value. Yeah, you're right. So let's answer his questions. Okay. Uh, should I move the funds to save money for the long term, given wealth runs, management fees, and say goodbye to the automatic tax loss harvesting? Uh, right now, I'm paying $100 a year in management fees. Uh, but I've used... Nerd Wallet's fee calculator and have calculated the fees on the taxable account over a 30 year period, assuming no fu- uh, future contribution, dividend reinvestments, and 7% growth uh, to be about $45,000. Uh, the net capital gains for switching will be about $5,000, but my 401k contributions will make that a wash. All right, question number one Should he pay a fee for financial advice or not? So I think. Alan, at this point in your life, there's there's going to be two major reasons why you want to continue to have an advisor in your life. 
And then you can contemplate to say, I don't need that. I can do that myself. Um, because he's a new investor. Right. There's going to be a time where he will want to make a decision with his money that's probably not appropriate in that he'll need someone that doesn't have an emotional attachment to the money to help him with that decision process. Right. So it's like, I want to sell or I want to do this or, you know what, my buddy bought Tesla and it's up. I think I want to buy some of that. And you might make some type of decision with money um, that might not be in your best interest. Yeah, and I think related to that is, uh, and this happened to me about the same age. Maybe I was in my early 30s, but to where the, uh, I think it was the Gulf War was just starting and I pulled out of the market completely. Yeah. Because I thought. Wars make stocks go down. Yeah, it turns out. (laughs) I didn't didn't know what I was talking about, (laughs) right? And then I I realized, and then you try to get back in, right? And then how do you do that? Because you, you, the market went up. Then you wait for it to come back down and it goes up again right. even more, right? And so that was a, actually a pretty good lesson to learn. Don't try to time the market based upon current events. And that's the kind of, the, that's the kind of mistake that we see people doing that don't have the discipline. Now, maybe Alan is super disciplined. He reads all these articles and, and, and if you feel like you can do it, great. But our experience is for more people than not they end up making these emotional decisions that end up hurting them. Second thing is um, if you're just basing this on tax loss harvesting, I think you can, um, if you want to get sophisticated or, or nerd out on this, you could probably do it yourself with some spreadsheets. Um, but as the money grows and you have more assets within your non-qualified account, the tax loss harvesting is going to make a lot bigger difference. Um, but still, it's nothing to sweat at because they were able to harvest $1,000 worth of losses for the guy. And so that offsets future gains, uh, which is a savvy tax move. Yeah, I mean, at and a 15% it, tax rate, that's $150 of savings. It covered the $100 annual fee. Right. So the tax savings alone is covering the fee. Yeah, it seems like. And plus, I'm not sure he's calculated this right because what he's thinking about investing, the internal costs in those funds are quite a bit higher than what he's got. I'm not sure there's that much savings, really. Right. Yeah. Uh, another thing, too, is that I would look at, is there any other value-added um, resources or services that the advisor can give you? Um, such as, hey, I'm 29 years old. I'm looking to retire early at 60. How much money should I be saving on an annual basis? What target rate of return should I be thinking about in, my, in regards to my overall portfolio? I want to buy a house some year. You know, I'm going to get married. What is that going to look like from a tax perspective? There's going to be all sorts of life events that happen in Alan's life right. uh, that doesn't, he's just solely looking at the investment. All right, they're tax loss harvesting, they're rebalancing it, and I have a globally diversified portfolio with 400 different funds for 50 grand. Right. Right. So I think some of that's a little overkill, but there could be other services that you might want to lean on Wealthfront or if they have certified financial planners, because that's a fairly reasonable fee. Maybe they have calculators that you can make other financial decisions on. Uh, Let's see. We got second question here. What is your opinion on the asset allocation of Wealthfront accounts uh, uh, versus Merriman portfolios? I think it's overkill, Alan. You don't need that many funds, but I think they're both fine. (laughs) So yeah, it's a good way to answer. Uh, yeah, it's like more is not always necessarily better. No, no, especially when you're first starting. Keep it simple. Keep it very simple. Um, yeah, I mean, 
I've never seen that many funds in my life. <laughs> okay, we got another one. We got Mike here from Mesquite, Texas. He goes, Big Al, Little Joe, and of course, Haas. 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 Yeah, Bonanza. Andy, like, what's up, Haas? I think so. Haas was like the boss. Haas, the boss? Like, well, he's from Texas. You know, what up, Haas? <laughs> I think it's from Bonanza. What the hell is Bonanza? It's a TV, TV show. show. Oh my God. Little Joe and Haas. I don't remember a big Al on that show. Little Joe and Haas. Ben, oh, oh. ben Cartwright. I guess that was his name, Ben. Big Ben. Bonanza. All right. Is ben that Cartwright a, is the turn? patriarch of an all-male Nevada ranching family. Set after the, during and after the Civil War, Bonanza is the story of life on the family's thousand-acre spread known as the Ponderosa. Isn't that a restaurant? It's also, is now. also a type of pine tree, a ponderosa pine. <laughs> we, we really want to put out little some Joe, The youngest son, Little Joe, is the most impetuous and romantic of the offspring. Yeah. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's you. There you go. But, but Andy, you're Haas. Now, I'm Haas. Haas, yeah. is a, he was the big guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, got it. Well, maybe that's where that terminology came from. Hey, what's up, Haas? Have you ever heard anyone say that? No, but uh, those people are usually the ones I don't want to hang out with. I'll take your word for it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was going to say they are usually, you know. Okay. What, uh, where do you meet these people? When they say, hey, what up, Haas? Yeah. <laughs> where are you? Where are you? Is this like trailer parks? And, uh, oh, it's, um, and then, uh, oh, you know, they probably, you know, they, they have, yes, I'm not, I'm trying to be politically I, I know correct you are. here. So, I just All right. so the middle son was the warm and lovable giant Haas. All right. He was lovable. He was. <laughs> and little Joe was Michael Landon. He was, uh, oh. he was oh, okay. mischievous. Got it. Mischievous or mischievous? Mis- mischie- mischievous. <laughs> what, what am I trying to say here? Mischievous. Uh, mischievous. Mischievous. Thank you. That's uh, that's what I meant. Got it. All right. We're going to get complaints on this banter. That's right. Uh, he's got a portfolio question. Uh, to keep things simple, I'm a big fan of Vanguard. I'm becoming a big fan of your podcast. All right. Cool. What about this portfolio in retirement? Uh, 20% Wellington, 20% Wesley. Um, and then he's got another 20% global Wellington, uh, global Wesley, and then small cap index, and then the total stock market. Rebalance yearly for a simple 60-40 portfolio. Um, you know what? I love it. I don't – I like the Wellington fund. I like the global Wellington fund. I like the total U.S. stock market. Um, you got a little small cap. I would probably go more small cap value, but I'm not giving – advice here um, because small cap growth will underperform um, in most cases given academic studies over but, the long term yeah i like these funds they're low cost they're globally diversified he's probably got thousands of of companies across the globe uh, you could probably do it without as many funds you could um, i i actually looked them up just for fun okay and um the first three have uh, internal charges of around 40 to 45 basis points. And the, the last two are index funds. They're like 0. 0.4, 0. Yeah, 5. the Wellington fund is a, is a balanced fund. It's a balanced you fund. You got a 60. It's, it's, it's like 30%, I think. Right, uh, I yeah. own Wellington. Yeah, yeah. And, and I own this uh, 
let's see, what do I own? I, I own, own Wellington. I own the total market. Yes, fund. and so do I. I own that too. Yeah. Full disclosure. Yeah, I like these funds too. I'm I'm just saying the index funds are cheaper, and and um, I I tend to prefer them just because the cost ratio is a little bit less. But if you, we don't know anything about Mike. I don't know how old he is. No, we don't know anything. I don't know what his goals are. No. I don't know what income needs to be derived from I, the portfolio. I, I would say. I just know, I guess now he's a fan of Bonanza. Yeah. And so he's got to be <laughs> might probably be your age. He might be older. <laughs> yes. Well, I would say if Mike is in his 20s and 30s, this is a great portfolio. If he's probably closer to retirement or in retirement, this might be a little bit aggressive. But we don't know enough about your goals, Mike, to know whether this is the right portfolio for you or not. So. Well, it's sixty forty is what is what he's saying. I think that's fine because the, the what's Wesley? I, I don't know what the can can you give me the mix stock bond on that? Yep. B W E L X. Well, I don't know how or, this. Hold on, that's, I don't know how this is sixty forty because there's with the Wellington and Wesley funds. Those are balanced funds. I know, but the other two are all stocks. So yeah, I, but I, he's I, got I twenty. He's only got thirty percent in those, right? He's got forty. 20% small cap. Oh, oh, oh. oh you, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, you're right. I those, are, those are balanced funds. I, so they, I, they I have read, stock and I mean, I, they have bonds. I read that wrong. Okay. No, that's index fund or um, income fund. Got yeah. it. Okay. You're fine. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, 6040 is, is is a common portfolio through retirement. And for many people, that, that works really well. We just don't know enough about your situation. So. Um, Hang yeah. on a second. I'm trying to pull it up. That's all right. I, I, I think I know what we answered it. Yeah, yeah, we did. If you like those funds, yes. I don't know what percentage that you should own in each of them. Yeah. But it's a globally diversified 60-40 split. And then he's kind of splitting hairs with Wellington and Wesley, I think, a little bit. But Yeah, I mean, a little bit. But, but, the, but the point is the funds, are good. the funds are good. The index funds are cheaper in internal costs, but the other ones are, are not bad in terms of internal costs. Yeah. But, but you're right. They're more balanced and you know, not necessarily a bad way to go. Yep. With um, what VGWIX, that's probably a little bit more tilted towards value, I believe. So, yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. Good, good work, Mike. Thank you for your question. Learn how to avoid the costliest investing mistakes and how to pursue a better investment experience right in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. The latest all-new episode of the Your Money, Your Wealth TV show is all about avoiding those investing mistakes. And our comprehensive guide to investing offers 10 ideas that can help you effectively target long-term wealth in the capital markets. Learn what strategies can help you improve your odds of long-term success, how to let markets work for you, why chasing past performance is a mistake and the key drivers of expected returns and more. Just click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes and download all these free resources and ask your money questions. Okay. Um, hi, Andy, Big Al, and medium-sized Joe. Medium like that? <laughs> wow. I guess. Johnny G here, uh, somewhere in Iowa. So we darkened that just for me to read it? Yes. Got it. <laughs> I, I enjoy listening to your podcast. In my paid in cash black 2016 Ford Fusion uh, with my dog Maverick. Oh, there's yeah, so you nice. got the visual now. I do. <laughs> I do. Somebody, I know that's important. It is very important. It's painful too. 2016 yeah. little Ford Fusion. Yeah, right. You're driving around. I can imagine Maverick loves it. Oh, Maverick. I wonder if he's a fan of Top Gun. <laughs> I would think so. 
No. I have a Maverick driver. Yeah? What's yeah. that? It's, it's, oh, it's a driver. Club. It's, it's a golf club. I don't even yeah. play golf, and I knew that, yeah. that's what a driver Thank you, was. Andy. Yeah, what's that? I don't know. I was, I was well. I was thinking of the Maverick, the dog driving the car. I didn't follow your. That was thinking. my first thought too. Oh but. no, no! I have a driver, and his That's, name is Maverick, and it. he drives me around. <laughs> got it. He's not a dog. <laughs> got it. Okay. Right. Thank you for clarifying. By got the way. it. Maverick gets the front seat, Joe. Uh, we'll have to be in the back. No problem. I like sitting in the back, back. seats. Okay. With your long legs, very comfortable me- in the back. Medium-sized yes. legs. I, I prefer sitting in the back. Sometimes I just sit in the back because I feel like they're my chauffeur. Got it. You, right. you, you like to feel important. I do. But Johnny and Maverick are driving yeah. you around now. And then now, I mean, everyone just thinks I'm in an Uber. So <laughs> I go on a date. She drives. I sit in the back. Got it. Okay. Uh, Does your date sit in the back too? When no, you drive? she's driving. No, but when, when you drive. I don't drive. Sit, you don't drive. No. You insist. Yeah, I insist. You want to go out with me? You're driving yeah. Yeah. and I'm sitting in the back yeah. seat and I'm not going to tip. Pick me up. All right. <laughs> Bring a little roadie with me. Got it. Yeah. And you are single. Yes. Imagine, Imagine that. <laughs> All right. Uh, you got, now you got that visual? All I right. do. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm with you now. Okay. Thank you all very much for putting on a great educational and entertaining podcast about financial health. It is much needed in our society and something I am trying to spread info uh, to all my friends. Your podcast makes my job a lot easier. Uh, my question is about a second retirement account possibilities. A uh, little info. I'm 26 single and own my own business. S-Corp, 100% owner and also an employee. Well, congratulations there, Johnny G. Uh, he's in the 22% tax bracket, Big Al. Great. Uh, my business offers a simple IRA plan with a 3% match to myself and my two part-time employees. I max out the simple IRA, Roth IRA, and HSA every year. I'm starting a second business with a friend of mine. She is 25, single, works a regular nine to five, and also in the 22% tax bracket, and maxes out her 401k Roth IRA in HSA every year. With our new business, we will not need any employees, just the two of us. Uh, We're trying to figure out if there's a retirement plan that we both uh, could contribute to based on uh, other contributions that we make. I can't find enough info. It would I'd uh, like to be able to contribute to a SEP or a solo 401k, uh, depending on the limits, will still make sense with our other contributions. So the gist of this, uh, thanks, Johnny G. Uh, he's, he's got a small business, has a simple plan, has a couple part-time employees. Yeah, maxing out that plan. And he's like, you know what? I need to save some more money, and I have another um, side hustle on the way. He's got a little female friend, 25 years old, same age. Um wonder if there's a romance budding there, potentially. Well, it's, it's possible. Right? Yeah. And um, so he's like, all right, well, with this other business, can we, what, 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 what can we do? Can we save right. some more money? Yeah. Well, it's a good question. And, and so first off, you can have another pension plan in another business. However, you got to be mindful of the contribution limits because in some cases they get added together. For example, if you set up a um, 401k, I guess you couldn't really set up a solo K in the new business unless they get married. married. So you might want to get married, Johnny, <laughs> Johnny G. But uh, you could set up a safe harbor. But um, your friend who's already maxing out her 401k couldn't 
add any more because you only get one 401k amount per year. That's 19,500 at your age, right? 26,000 if you're 50 and older. So you only get one. Now you, Johnny, could put more in because you can put in 13,500 into a simple. So you could put in another six grand into a 401k. So it would work for, for you, Johnny, but not for your friend. Right. So what you're saying, because he's maxing out the simple plan and the, the, the max contribution for a simple plan is roughly it's right, 13, 13, 13, So he could get up. So if he set up a 401k plan, he and couldn't put the full 19,000 no, in. No, because they, they get added together for that, for that purpose of the total uh, contribution of 19,500. How about, um, and then a simple IRA is an IRA, so he couldn't necessarily set up a SEP or could he? He could do a SEP. See, that, that would work for both of them. So you could set up a SEP and then it's 25% of your profits Profits if you're sole proprietorship or 25% of your salary if you're an S-corp. So yeah, that, that could work potentially. You just can't have two contribution plans. And I know this gets confusing because you can do a Roth contribution or an IRA contribution. That doesn't count towards the 401k, the 401k or the simple IRA. But, but a simple IRA and a 401k have the same limit of 19.5. And you've already, if you've already maxed out your simple, which is 13.5, you wouldn't have another plan like that in your company, but you could be working for another company, which is exactly what he's saying. Um, what other ideas can we throw at Johnny here? Uh, well, I all right. So he's got a business. It's just yeah. him. And he's got two part-time employees. Yeah. He's got a simple plan. He set up a simple plan because, all right, it's simple. Yeah. Uh, hence the name. He doesn't have to match that much for the part-time employees. They're probably not making a ton of money. Probably not. And it's, it's, it's inexpensive to have that kind of plan and as opposed to a safe harbor 401k, which is pretty expensive. Could he exempt those employees from uh, a, could, could he set up, a solo 401k because he has two part-time employees? Um, I wonder if he, he could discriminate. Yeah. Well, if they work, you know, under the old law, if they worked less than a thousand hours, then he could still do a simple. Now it's 500 hours. If people work 500 hours for three consecutive years, they have to be added to the 401k. So, you know, with the, with the new secure act. With the MEP rules. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so he could do that. So he could switch to potentially a solo 401k in his business and add the other six that way. And then in the business. But I'm thinking, let's say if he did a solo 401k and he put 19.5 in his solo 401k, then he could set up a SEP IRA with him and his lady friend. friend. That's right. And then do 20% on there. And then that would have a max contribution of roughly $54,000. Right. That would have that total. Yeah. I think so, it, I think it includes the nineteen five, right? It and, would the nineteen and, five, and, and then and you plus, could add another plus the employer match on top of that. But still, yeah, it's a, it's a big number. I mean, in other words, the SEP allows both of them to actually get more. It's it's twenty five percent of their profits or salary. So I think what Johnny needs to evaluate here is that all right. How many more businesses A is he going to start? Right. Yeah. Um, how much money is he going to make in each of these different businesses? Yeah. And then you would want to design a plan that's appropriate for each business, given the profitability of the business, to max out as much as he can if that's his desired goal. Yeah. One other thing I should mention, because people get tripped up on this, is if if you've got a control group or an affiliated company, then the IRS looks at you as a single entity, even though you're more than one entity. And I'll ex- explain both. The control group means that 80% of the ownership is similar. Now, in this case, it wouldn't be because Johnny 
owns 100% of his one business and presumably he'll own 50% of the second business. So that's okay. But if there's an affiliated group, in other words, if the companies are interrelated, if they're supporting each other. Yeah, and he's got a, a, a supply company that supplies all of his distribution company. Yeah, that's right. Or he's, he sets up a separate marketing company that does the marketing for, for his supply. For- yeah, whatever. So that's would be an affiliated company. And in that case, it's treated as one company for purposes of a retirement plan. So you couldn't discriminate against employees and things like that. The doctors tried to get away with that one years ago. They took their, um, maybe their eye doctor business and separated the eyeglasses sales business. And those two are intertwined. And they, they try to have the employees in one, but not the other. And so they have a big fat Pension plan and one. Right, right. Yeah. So the doctor's got his own business right. and then all the other uh, rank and file yeah. is in another business. So I'm going to set up a defined benefit yeah. plan and sheltered. Actually, more common in the old days, Joe, was that doctor would have all this profit. So he'd set up this little medical consulting business with no employees and, and he'd basically transfer all the profit from company A or she or she it could be she. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. Sorry. <laughs> Sexist. <Okay. laughs> have to keep me honest. Um, all right. Well, good. Johnny, congrats on the, the success. Um, just thinking about Maverick chilling in the Ford Fusion. <laughs> Appreciate the, the visual. Um, I think it makes the listening um, well, we know, can experience sort of, a lot more pleasurable. For we, we can sort of imagine it. You know, he's got a black 2016 Ford Fusion. He's got Maverick the dog sitting in the front seat. Yeah. What, I mean, what's your picture of Maverick? What kind of dog do you think Maverick is? German uh, Shepherd. The what? German Shepherd. Shepherd. German Shepherd? Yeah, okay. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing, Andy. See, well, see Maverick. That's like, that's a that's a German Shepherd kind of dog it's name. A German Shepherd or maybe a black lab. I was thinking lab too. Yeah. No, it's like a it have little, to be black. It's not going to be a Pomeranian. All right. Cool. Thanks a lot, Johnny. Believe it or not, there are still a few more derails at the end of today's episode, so stick around if you haven't had enough already. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Get a free, detailed, personalized assessment of your overall financial situation by clicking the Get an Assessment button at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call us at 888-994-6257. That's 888-994-6257. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor this show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Granite City. What do we all, we talk about beer or something when Kenny comes yeah. up with Granite City. He's in Illinois. I, I think so. That's right. Yeah. This just sounds like a nice little brewery town. It does. It's probably dry. <laughs> I doubt it. All right. El Paso, you've been in El Paso? I have not. Have you? I have. I, my ex was from El Paso. Oh, and all your exes are in Texas? All my exes came from Texas. <laughs> came that's, from- why, that's why I hang my hat in Tennessee. Got it. That's what I thought. Alrighty. Okay. I wonder if Alan ever goes to Juarez. Have you ever been to Juarez? Or? No, never been to Juarez. Oh, right. It's in Mexico. It's like border town. I've been to Dallas at the airport. Well, Juarez is in Mexico. Dallas is in the United States. I know, but if we're talking general region, (laughs) that's the closest Closest. I've been. Got it. Well, you've been to TJ. I have, but that's, I'd say Dallas is closer to Juarez when you... I I would, I would, but it's a a different country. (laughs) I I get it. All right. You got to watch Little Narcos Mexico. Yeah, got it. Okay. We were ranked something. What were we ranked? 1,400 something? 129. 129. 
Out of 130. <laughs> <laughs> We're no longer at the seller. That's, that's in, the, in the top 200 on top 200? the investing how, charts. How many investing shows are there? Thousands. Thousands. 130. 130. What's money Finally. Finally. It's like, you know, being a longtime Pottery fan. But we were always in the cellar. Always, always, always. <laughs>